Welcome back, everybody. It is episode 31 of Just Dishing It. In this episode, you are going to hear part two of our interview with Walt Zerowski. He is a contributing writer at The Charging Buffalo. You can follow him on Twitter at Sabermetrics. Lots of good stuff in here. Thanks for listening to part one of our interview last week with him. Really excited to have him back on. Tons more in this one. Talk about the upcoming season and uh, everything to expect from the Sabres and even around the league in some cases for other teams. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think, uh, I mean, it's a good time now, I think. Uh, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's dive into uh, the upcoming 21-22 Sabres season. Um, you know, maybe start, you know, training camp sort of stuff, work up what we think the roster might look like, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think... Before we do any of that, though, we should talk about a couple of things, the first of which, since the day we're recording, we, we got word of the Darlene contract. I know you put some stuff out on Twitter about it. Um, what are your thoughts? Break it down a little bit for us, Walt. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are looking for the Sabres to go long-term there, and I think, I mean, if Darlene does blow up, obviously it would have been better to go with a long-term contract, but I think the way things stand now, I mean, it's kind of hard to evaluate Darlene because he had a fantastic rookie year under Phil Housley. He looked really rough under Ralph Kruger. And under Don Granado, he looked improved. But, I mean, defensively, he's still making, like, similar mistakes that we've seen under Ralph Kruger. I mean, I remember there was one game where he got, like, kind of walked by David Krejci and just spun him around in a circle. I mean, that was pretty late in the season. I mean, that's kind of, like, one of the last things we saw out of him defensively. So, I mean, just stuff like that is concerning but he's just like so good offensively it's like probably not a more challenging defenseman to evaluate just because i mean he has generation generational skills on offense but like defensively he looks like well below average i mean at least over the past two seasons so i mean that gives me some cause for concern and that's why i'm not too upset that they didn't decide to go with like an eight-year deal with him I mean, I guess kind of the main gripe with not going for an eight-year deal is what really are the Sabres saving money for now? I mean, they have so much cap space that they could have went with an eight-year deal and, I mean, paid them like $2 million more for the next three years and the five years after that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think there's some risk involved too. And then also there's a guy like Rasmus Stalin who probably had a good amount of leverage in these negotiations. I mean, just because the Sabres need, needed to reach the cap floor uh, to start this season, I mean, and if a guy like Darlene wasn't signed until like October, the Sabres would be below the cap floor. So I think, I mean, it's a contract that had to get done. I mean, if Darlene didn't want long-term either, I don't think they would have given him long-term just because all the leverage he had. So, yeah, that's kind of where I stand on the Darlene contract. Yeah. Even with his play too, I mean, obviously he's a joy to watch offensively and it's almost like, I sometimes when I hear CNC some of the stuff defensively, he's still so young. He's still adjusting. Like it's no, it's hard to come play defense in the NHL. It's not easy now. Yeah, the game's so much different. But you know, what are some of the key areas you would like to you you will really be looking at for him to kind of take those next steps defensively to be that top pair franchise defenseman that we all really really want him to be i mean really just kind of just returning a confidence in his game i mean his yeah. rookie year he wasn't one of the top players defensively but he was above average and i mean he's one of the top players in the league and just like uh like takeaways i mean just that skill alone with just his hands just be able to play defensively like that i mean if he could learn to kind of play like that style of defense more just more using like his hands and really just a skating and that ability rather than relying on like his strength and just like pure power that it kind of seemed like uh, Ralph Kruger was trying to get him to do. Uh, Cause I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's just going to like dominate board battles. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's just going to be like a Chris Pronger type defensively, but I mean, he's so good offensively. You have to make him at least average or if not above average defensively. I think, yeah, the best way to do that. I mean, just relying on his athleticism, just relying on his pure talent. And I think uh, you could accomplish those improvements defensively. Yeah. It's almost like he has like 
for a defenseman in the NHL, he already has the tough or the part that's tough to teach, I would think, where it's almost just like learning to play his position smarter and more efficiently, you know, like obviously defensively, right? That's almost just like what's missing for him right now. But it's, again, with the right coaching and stuff and getting his confidence back. For me, just, you know, playing the game, I think that's like an encouraging thing where, you know, he's not this number one overall pick and he's just basically like a Chris Pronger where it's not, he doesn't have that high end point producing skill level that you expect from a top four defenseman in the league now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing with Darlene. I mean, it's just, just comparing him to his peers alone. I mean, we've seen some guys like Kel McCarr who transitioned flawlessly to the NHL once they started playing, I mean, and guy like Darlene has still been struggling, which is obviously some cause for concern, but I mean, he's just so skilled that I think you kind of just let things play out. And I mean, the Sabres probably hope he doesn't blow up too much uh, just before that next contract. But I think just looking at the Sabres roster, uh, just looking at what their power play will be uh, for this upcoming season. I mean, you, you lose like, uh, Jack Eichel, who was kind of the main guy in that power play, and then Reinhardt kind of was able to fill in like a major role in the power play. Now he's gone, so it's like he'll be running a top unit with like maybe Skinner, Middlestat, Olafson. I mean, really no true like playmaker number one type guy on there. So I don't think he's going to be seeing like as many points as he's seen his first couple years. So that's one reason why I'm not too worried about what his next contract will be, just because defenseman contracts are still largely based on points a lot of times. And I just don't think he's gonna be able to put up those big point numbers uh, with the current roster. Yeah. And that was the other thing when you brought up McCarr, it's like, yeah, Kale McCarr is sick. Darlene is sick, but what's the big difference is that, you know, it's coaching the GM, the organization, the team in front of him, essentially that, you know, that impacts that confidence. I feel like to at least some extent, no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you look at Kel McCarr's situation. I mean, Colorado had that one bad year. They were able to draft him, and they kind of just boomed ever since then. I mean, and when he walked in, he walked into a playoff series pretty much his first NHL. Yeah, running the second power play unit. Yeah, so, I mean, it's probably going to be an easier situation for a guy to walk into than than McCarr in Colorado. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, and, like, one thing, too, that I wanted to add there, Benny, I'm glad that you brought up his age. Because that's one thing I always think of when I think of Darlene, right? Because, like, he's still – I just had to look it up because I couldn't believe it. He's only 21 still. Mm-hmm. Like, it's absolutely insane. But – and, Walt, to your point, he's so athletic that he's not going to be that physical guy. But I don't know. I think he's going to carve out a good NHL career. Obviously not time to hit the panic button on – a guy like him yet because i mean he's so talented at some point he's only 21 years old at the end of this contract what's he going to be 24 Uh, yeah you know and at that point you're just really coming into your prime as an nhl player in your mid-20s anyway so i mean hopefully for the sabers that works out to both of what you guys have just said i mean as a defenseman a lot of those points are going to be assists and secondary assists and yeah. if you don't have guys in front of you, like Walt, you said that, that can score and put the puck in the net, then you're not going to get those points. And it's not necessarily your fault. You can make the right play, but you're not going to be rewarded on the stat sheet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the thing. I mean, defensemen, I feel like NHL GMs still have a really hard time just evaluating them. Uh, I mean, we've seen a guy like Seth Jones. I mean, we've seen, kind of discrepancy between uh, just a bunch of different communities on him. I mean, whether it be the analytics, even the video community is not that high in him, but it seems like the NHL GMs are. I mean, just guys like that. I mean, I feel like it's easy to evaluate forwards because for the most part, if they do things right, they'll result in points. But for defensemen, that's not always the case. I mean, sometimes they can get lucky with points with, like you said, just secondary assist and power play points. So, I mean, if we're still evaluating defensemen based off of that, by the time – Darlene's uh, new deal is up. I mean, I don't think the Sayers will have a problem uh, getting him with a manageable contract. And, and one guy that, too, that 
you had mentioned, I wanted to talk about a bit too, who just signed uh, an extension with the Sabres, uh, Casey Middlestat. Um, what, what are we looking at with him in terms of his future? I know he was one of those really highly touted prospects. People were super excited about him. And then he had a rough start. The talent's still there, it looks like. I know people are starting to get excited about him again. Are, are you seeing things that he's kind of turning it around or figuring things out at the pro level? Yeah, I mean, I think middle stat, I was really low on him heading into last season. And, I mean, uh, really just the season you had last season, I mean, it's definitely an encouraging sign. I mean, I was kind of writing him off as, I mean, kind of as just like, an NHL tweener, maybe a guy that could end up in like Switzerland or someplace in a few years. But I mean, after that last season he had, I mean, I think, I think he's pretty much established himself as a middle six NHL center. And I think he's definitely gonna be a huge piece on this team uh, going forward. Uh, just because this current roster they have right now, they really don't have a top line center. I mean, you could toss Dylan cousins on there, but, Middle stats looking like he could be their top line guy heading the season. So he's going to be getting a ton of opportunities to show what he has. I mean, ton of opportunities to maybe show off his shot. I mean, really just a great playmaker too. I mean, I think we've seen everything he was able to do at the NHL level. And then I'll just <laughs> got my phone, got my laptop charger. All right. Yeah, I mean, really just with middle stat, just everything he's been able to do. I mean, he really hasn't been able to replicate that World Juniors form, and I think he's realizing he really can't do that once he gets to the NHL level. I mean, he really can't pull off, like, the same moves and stuff like that. But I think, I mean, last season he realized, like, hey, man, I have a pretty good shot. Um, maybe I should shoot more. I mean, maybe I should kind of simplify the uh, plays I try to make on offense, and I think that really – uh, benefited him and I think that turned him into an effective NHL and I think he's going to have a long career yeah yeah that's definitely and I wonder too with with Darlene is guys like Middlestat or Darlene that had really good success young and were so highly skilled could kind of really do whatever they wanted on the ice at that world junior level um and, and in other leagues before the NHL is part of that because they just keep trying to do those things. Cause I watch Darlene sometimes and it's like, dude, you're better than this, but like you can't dance with the puck at the blue line. Like you could in your league before you were here in the NHL. Like, do you think that's really what the transition is? It's just learning that, Hey, you can't get away with some of the cute stuff that you did before. Yeah, I think that's definitely a part of it. I mean, I know Darlene, uh, particularly, he got he was able to do like most of the stuff he's able to do uh, that he was able to do in the SHL his rookie year in the NHL. But I mean, at the same time, it really hasn't turned into goals that much. Like he's able to complete the moves and everything, but it's like a lot of times the play dies right before the net, or he's not able to finish, just stuff like that. And I think like Darlene, he has a skill to be able to do that, but I mean. You also need the confidence to go along with that too, especially the level of difficulty of moves that he tries. So I think with him, I mean, obviously he has a skill. He should try it, but at the same time, I mean, if you don't got that confidence to go along with it, which I think his confidence was killed just with Kruger's coaching, trying to have him focus mainly on defense. I don't think you'll have the ability to pull off those moves. And a guy like Middlestat, I think it's maybe a bit of a different scenario just because I don't really think he has like that high-end NHL pace where he's able to like pull off those passes, pull off those moves that he was able to do uh, while at the World Juniors. I mean, while at uh, Minnesota, even though in Minnesota he really didn't put up crazy point totals. But, I mean, we've seen flashes of brilliance there. And the NHL, we did, really didn't see any of that before this past season. So, I mean, it's definitely great to see a guy like Middlestat develop and turn into uh, somewhat of a useful NHL player. Yeah. Really encouraged uh, by what we saw last year. Excited to see what he's going to bring this year too. Um, more recent, um, you know, prospect, I guess, you know, I know we, we did a bunch on prospects obviously, but technically you got to consider Dylan cousins, one of those still for a little here, I would say, but looking like the future of the franchise up front, at least for now, 
What are your thoughts, you know, expectations for him this season? I mean, I think Dylan Cousins, I think he's going to be uh, kind of a premier piece of their offense. Uh, I mean, last season, the point totals weren't crazy, but I mean, the numbers of him driving offense were really solid, especially for a rookie. And I mean, he's just, I think, I think he could take a big step forward this season. I mean, just with all the opportunities he's given, I mean, this Sabres offense uh, really hasn't, I mean, it's just hard to like read like what exactly it's going to look like next year without guys like Eichel, without guys like Reinhardt, just because it's been so long since we have seen something like that. Uh, So, I mean, who knows who will step up? I mean, I think we could see guys like Skinner, but I mean, Cousins, once again, he's got that potential to do something uh, pretty impressive this season. I mean, we've seen what he could do last year. I mean, the point totals weren't crazy, but I mean, everything else was fantastic. And I would expect him to have kind of just a great season this upcoming year. Yeah, for sure. Um, one other piece, uh, position-wise, um, just before I let Tudor ask a couple of things, um, what um, what position would you like to see out of him? Do you think he's a winger? Should he play at center? What are your expectations there? I think, I mean, going forward, I think he should be a center, especially over these next few seasons. But I do think that he could learn from the wing. I mean, that was kind of the plan beforehand was for him to kind of learn on the wing from a guy like maybe uh, Jack Eichel or uh, really Sam Reinhardt when he played center. But, I mean, at this point, they just (laughs) don't really have a center that he could kind of play around. I mean, really the top line center could very well be Casey Middlestat. And I just don't think that's really a guy that – I mean, he, he's also learning the trade of being center. So I really don't think that's a guy you could really learn a ton from. So, I mean, might as well just play Dylan Cousins at center, I mean, while you have the shot. Oh, is that something that the Sabres you would expect to, to try to add here is more of a veteran presence like that? Because you've got you've got so much young talent, right? We talked about uh, before with some of the prospects how they had a full they had eight picks in this past draft. They've got guys like Middlestot who's going to take a big role. You've got Cousins, like, but you don't have anyone for those guys like you just said to really learn from or to lean on to to transition into the pro game or really take their career to the next level. Like, is that something they're going to add, or do you think they're just going to roll with the young guys and see what happens? I mean, I think – I thought – I mean, I honestly thought coming into the season that that would have been the plan kind of to add just some, like, NHL bodies. I mean, they added guys like Henestroza, John Hayden, guys on league minimum deals. But, I mean, I'm kind of conf- – that's kind of what I'm confused with with the Sabres plan going forward is really just, I mean, they're kind of just like a bare-bones roster right now. I mean, defensively, they added some guys that could be useful, uh, guys like Will Butcher, Mark Pesic. But, I mean, the offense, you really – I mean, it's kind of just going to be life after Jack Eichel at this point. I mean, I think both parties have pretty much moved on at this point. It's just a matter of when a deal will be done. And, I mean, I'm not sure if the Sabres' offense is really prepared for that. I mean, you got guys like Skinner who have shown the ability to score at the NHL level – even without the greatest line mates. I mean, I believe it was, I mean, some of his line mates he had back in his Carolina days weren't amazing. I mean, especially his centers and he still put up decent numbers. So he could be a guy that kind of helps out a little bit. Victor Olsen, I'm skeptical about because he's a guy that seems to really rely on center play, like kind of just on that power play. And without like, I mean, you see most of Olsen's goals on the power play were kind of set up by Eichel kind of drawing in other defenders and opening up the shooting lane for Olsen. And without a guy like that uh, to set up Olsen, I mean, maybe Darlene could take over that role, but uh, to set guys up, but I mean, I just, it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, I know players are going to step up. that are probably going to be pretty unexpected, but at the same time, I'm not really expecting too many wins out of them 
Yeah, Olafson, I think, is such an interesting one because watching him play, you're like, man, this guy has a shot and he can score. But so many times, I mean, it was Jack a lot of times, as you mentioned, but he's basically standing there flat-footed waiting for the puck in like a soft spot or in the <laughs> slot. And then when it comes to him, he scores and he's automatic. He has a, he has yeah. a great release, great shot. But, you know, a guy like that with no playmakers around him. And, yeah, Darlene's a, a good facilitator in some ways, but your best playmaker can't be a defenseman, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's tough, and and one guy too that you mentioned. Uh, do you have any expectations for for Butcher? I think he's I think he could be a nice player, and I don't I know he didn't get off to the hottest start or up to expectations that was expected of him over in New Jersey, but I I think Butcher's a a nice piece and could be a guy with some high upside. Yeah, I mean, I think Butcher, I mean, he was one of the top undrafted free agents like four or five years ago, and he started off like pretty hot with New Jersey, but I mean, the, yeah, like the last three years, he really hasn't done much of anything, and I think, I mean, he's still decently young. I think there could be some potential uh, f- for him. I mean, he's definitely going to get the opportunity while in Buffalo. I mean, I think he provides a bit of an interesting skill set. I mean, maybe there could even be some offense to his game. Uh, I mean, Colin Miller, he's an, uh, I believe he's a UFA this off season. So, I mean, once they deal Miller, which will probably happen eventually, I mean, maybe Butcher, or even if injuries happen, Butcher gets some second power play unit time. I mean, definitely more opportunities for him here than there probably was for him in New Jersey because it didn't really seem like the coaching staff was really too big of a fan of him. So, I mean, now that he's in a – on a team that seemingly wants him because I mean the Sabres traded for him, maybe he'll be given those opportunities where he really can succeed and he could turn into effective NHL or, I mean, Sabres defense could be one area that kind of improved. I mean, really just through like kind of like a tank type of like uh, transactions. I mean, moving a guy like wrist aligning that really hasn't been too great for them, replacing him with, just a mix of other bodies. I mean, even that could be an improvement. And I mean, Mark Pesek too, toss him in. And I mean, the defense could actually, I mean, one of the few areas on the Sabres that could actually be improved uh, this upcoming season. And uh, did they, they just extended uh, or extended and signed uh, Yoki Haru, right? Yeah. Well? Yeah. So. Yoki Haru. Yeah. He's another interesting guy. Definitely a ton of opportunities for him going forward just because the Sabres don't have uh, many right-hand shot defensemen in the system. And a guy like Colin Miller that plays on the right-hand side right now, I mean, I doubt we'll see him in a Sabres uniform past uh, this year's trade deadline. So just a ton of opportunity for a guy like Yogi Haru too. I mean, he really hasn't – he's just always been really solid. I mean, he had a great year with Scandella two years ago but he's really never taken that kind of like that huge step to move into like that elite category, young defenseman. I don't think that step will ever be there, but if you could just get kind of just an effective guy that could step up on the top pair, always be like kind of like that $4 million uh, type of guy. I mean, I think there's definitely a use for him going forward and yeah, he's another player. It'll be fun to watch uh, this upcoming season. Yeah. I mean, he, he might not make that jump to elite, but in my very non-analytical way of looking at the trade when that happened, I mean, well, they, they traded Nylander for him, correct? And, like, yeah. I just remember when that happened, Blackhawks fans were really upset at that <laughs> trade, and Sabres fans were like, good, get him out of here. And yeah. usually that means you're probably at least, at least up front before we see what happens, you're probably winning that trade if like one fan base is like, oh no, this is horrible, and the other fan base is saying, let's get this guy out of here and bring this other guy in. Like, And Yoki Haru is that, right? Everyone was like, get Nylander out of here, he's useless. And then, you know, Blackhawks yeah. fans were pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there, I mean, there weren't too many Nylander fans in his short time in Buffalo just because, I mean, I don't necessarily think he's an awful player, but, I mean, just, like, the way he plays, and, I mean, as silly as it sounds, even just, like, his facial expressions and stuff kind of just give off, like, the vibe that he's just, like, not even trying out there. 
Right. And I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So yeah, definitely. Wasn't which is, which are kind favorite. of, I think the vibes that like Jack gives off, but yeah. <laughs> Jack is a good enough player where people love him anyway. And obviously a generational talent, but like, I always got that vibe with him too, right? You watch him skate down the ice and you look at him and you're like, this guy's really not skating hard. And then you're like, Oh wait, never mind. He just blew by everybody. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's but yeah, it definitely looks weird when you see that like those effortless guys where it's like uh, maybe maybe you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I, I just remember that Nylander was not a fan favorite, but uh, hopefully Yogi Haru can uh, can turn into a really nice piece for that defense. And, I, mean, I think Yogi Haru's gonna, and I mean Nylander, Nylander, Alex Nylander is Alex Nylander. I think a lot in the beginning. I always I would love to ask him. You know, like with the success and the how touted his brother was, you know, being up in Toronto. Like, yeah, I always yeah. wondered if that kind of messed with him. Obviously, the father and stuff. I always wonder if that messed with his head a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know I remember William Nylander at the draft is like, my brother's a more talented player than I am. And <laughs> I hear Sabres fans are like, oh, this rivalry of Toronto. Toronto just got Matthews. We just got Nylander. We'll have the Nylander brothers and Eichel versus Matthews for the next decade. And that lasted about a year. A month. Yeah. <laughs> like a month. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of them, um, we gotta we gotta talk about the situation. I don't know if there's a ton else going on with it. I mean, we're sure surely with camp starting, we're gonna have some stuff come out about it, right? But What's your take overall with the Jack Eichel stuff? Well, what do you think is going on there? What 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 should we expect? What is what are your spidey senses, you know, telling you about this the saga at this point? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of a huge advocate of just trading him this summer, like no matter what, just because I don't think they're going to be able to get an offer that's better than the ones they got this summer. Like the furthest thing drags out, and I mean, obviously. I believe he reported training camp today and the rumor was that he uh, failed his physical, which was pretty much expected. But I think I, it's just like such an awkward situation with him, like coming to training camp. And I mean, he's the captain too. So it's yeah. like, I mean, the other rumor is that they're going to strip him of his captaincy. I mean, I just all say, that I, stuff. <laughs> I saw Elliot Friedman tweeted that today that there was talks that they were going to strip him of the sea. Yeah, it's just like that's just like an awkward situation. I mean, I know LA did it with uh Dustin Brown a few years back. I mean, that definitely did. I mean, I know Dustin Brown was kind of pissed after that happened. I mean, like rightfully so, but it's never like a good situation when that happens. And I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if after his physicals and everything, they just told him like, all right, just like take off uh, back home and just uh, like prep for your surgery and just do your rehab there because. I don't think anything good could come out of having him in the locker room right now. Like as much as this whole situation might not be his fault. I mean, he just wants to play in a winner, but at the same time, I don't think the Sabres could be having a guy that uh, doesn't really want to play here anymore while you're trying to build like a good culture in the locker room. And I mean, I don't think you also want a guy like Jack Eichel, like answering questions to the media. Like that will definitely just be a major distraction everything that's going on in training camp i mean just from all the videos the sabers posted on social media it seems like there's a pretty good vibe there right now i mean especially with just all the young players i mean a lot of them just vying for their uh first uh ever spot in nhl lineup i mean just so much youth in this team in this training camp i mean i don't think you'd want to spoil that by having a guy like jack Eichel around who's uh seems pretty bitter right now yeah i mean how can you how can you blame them in that way for me? I mean, I can't understand the, you know, I'm, I'm not smart enough to understand it. Right. But like the, the disc replacement versus the fusion, like as a team, what I can't figure out and again, I'm a simp with this stuff. Like I'm a simpleton <laughs> with these things, you know, what, what is the benefit for this, for the organization, right? You have him, the, the, the surgery he wants, he knows what's he knows what's best for him at the end of the day. You know, his body, Jack obviously wants to play as long as he possibly can. So why would he get a surgery that's going to risk him doing that? We've seen all kinds of players in different sports that have more 
of the whip back motion. UFC fighters, football players have had this surgery, but it's never been done on an NHL hockey player. But the recovery time is what? I think it's been talked about four months. Then he would be basically ready to be on the U.S. Olympic team where he can show all these other teams, look, there's Jack Eichel like we've always known him. Let's try and get him on a, you know, a team with some help and let's see what happens where he really hasn't had it. It just hasn't worked here. It's just we just seem to consistently be doing the organization a disservice by not letting him get the operation he wants. I understand the Pagulas have a lot of money invested into him. I get the business side of it, but in a lot of ways, it seems like we're hurting that side too by not letting him do what he wants to do. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think kind of the main situation is like as much as it's, I feel like it's kind of weird to talk about like an athlete just kind of like as an object to be traded to another team, but I think it's really kind of plays into kind of what other teams want. I mean, like the NHL, is just such like an old fashioned league. I mean, there are young GMs, but like the young GMs, like really the only difference is they got like a fancy haircut, glasses, and like a nice fitting suit. But other than that, they're just <laughs> they're just pretty much the same people as like the old school hockey guys, just in a different form. So I think like just with how old school the NHL is, I can't see many GMs like willingly hopping on like a new innovative surgery. And I feel like that's kind of where the holdup is. And I mean, I kind of get the feeling that that's kind of why Jack Eichel switched agents. Like, I feel like maybe he thought that, I don't know, maybe his new agent, uh, Pat Brisson, could do a better job at kind of like advertising his surgery teams or maybe something like that. Or maybe his new agent is telling him, like, just stick with the old surgery because, I mean, you're not going to get out of here if you get the new one because no team will want to take that risk. So I think, yeah, at this point, I think it's just all a game of risk. I mean, I think teams view like that new surgery as more risky, whether that be right or wrong. And I mean, you're already dealing with a $10 million player right here. I mean, obviously he's really good, but I mean, something goes wrong with his neck. I mean, he's not going to be worth $10 million anymore. So I think it's just probably one of the weirdest situations in NHL history in my mind. I mean, just with... All Dude, this like, thing screams <laughs> 30 for 30 to me at some oh, point. Yeah. At some point. But, like, the <laughs> thing is, I, I mean, yes, if something goes wrong, he will not be a $10 million player. However, you're also not a $10 million player when you're not playing. So, like, yeah. what, are, what, are we, what are we really doing here, right? I mean, I don't – I it seems – and to – you had mentioned it earlier, Benny. It's it's a business, so there is a business side of this. You know, the Pagulas do have a lot of money tied up in Eichel. But, Walt, you mentioned, like, it's weird thinking about a player as, like, an object, basically. But that's essentially what it is, right? You're looking at an asset here, you know, or whatever, however you want to look at it, and right now it's okay like how are we going to get the most value but i can't understand this whole like gridlock do nothing because the longer you do nothing you're just sitting there not gaining any value and yeah to your point walt like they might not get a better deal i know sabers fans are worried and the organization i'm sure is worried about a bad trade happening you know Bad trades have happened in the past. It is what it is. But at some point, the longer you hold on, does that diminish the value here? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, that's kind of what I fear at this point. And I mean, I think, I mean, this kind of might be like kind of like a conspiracy theory type of thing, but Eichel has, he kind of has a major incentive to kind of push off his return or like when he's tradable as long as possible, if he wasn't traded this past off season, just because he has a no move clause that kicks in. I mean, I don't know when free agency starts this year. I don't think it's July 1st, but somewhere in that time range. So if he's able to kind of push off being traded until well, wouldn't then, it, sorry to cut you off. Well, wouldn't it get moved back to that normal date because when the season's starting on a normal time again, or did they make a change for that to that permanently? I think, I mean, I honestly I don't know. Back. Yeah. I don't either. 
It might be moved back, but I mean, either way, because with the season going later, it probably like is almost the same time frame as usual. So it's, I mean, he definitely has a huge incentive if he wants to choose his destiny going forward, just to kind of wait until that hits. But I mean, the Sabres also have a huge incentive not to wait to trade him before that hits. And I mean, that's where things will start to get interesting. Like if he's still a Sabre past the trade deadline, I think that's the point where the Sabres have lost just because they're going to kind of be forced to move him before that uh, no trade or no move clause kicks in. And I think we could see like a time crush situation, kind of like we saw with the O'Reilly trade where it's like they had to trade him before they paid his bonus because they wouldn't pay it. So, I mean, if that situation were to unfold, I mean, we could see them just settling for a return versus like, this past off season where it seemed like they had a bunch of teams interested. It's like, just kind of take the best offer you got. I mean, who cares if you lose a trade on paper, at least you're getting uh, some good young assets moving forward. I mean, go, I mean, it's pretty much like anything you get for Eichel is a bonus at this point in my mind, because I pretty much have my mindset on those 2022 on those 2023 drafts. I mean, that's where you could potentially get your next Eichel you maybe if your next Reinhardt and add that to the core you already have that has Owen Power, uh, Rasa Stalin, Dylan Cousins. I think you're already like cooking with ingredients that are better than what the Sabres had uh, with their last rebuild heading into 2015, uh, 2016. I mean, obviously there might not be an O'Reilly, but I mean, just the depth, uh, just overall pieces, I think are better. So, I mean, I'm using that in my mind and just telling myself, I mean, I was going to get the best return for Eichel that's offered. I'm not going to try to hold on to him for too long because, I mean, Kevin Adams to some looks like a hero right now because it's like, <laughs> I mean, if he can't get what he wants, just don't trade him. But, I mean, yeah. eventually when he does have to trade him and his value lowered a ton, he's going to be like the biggest villain in Buffalo. So, oh, yeah. I mean, so what I think happens if, if they don't trade him and he gets his full no trade clause kicks in, right? He gets to call his shots. Value, you have to think, goes down at that point, right? Because if Jack says, I'm only going to one of these two teams, they don't have to bid very high to get him. And, I mean, at that at that point, are you talking new GM? Like, yeah. are, we, are we talking, are we talking like this is the biggest flub ever? Like, I don't... I don't know what that is, or is this a conspiracy theory building on yours? Well, is Jack secret? Are we going to watch a 30 for 30, like Benny said, in 20 years? And we're <laughs> going to find out that this whole time Jack's been talking with his hometown team, the Bruins, and been like, all right, I'm going to hang on. I'm going to hang on, get my no trade clause. I'm coming home. Yeah. Like, and, then, <laughs> and then we find out 20 years from now and the Bruins get like sanctioned for forever. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I think it's, it's interesting, but I, I think what the weirdest thing is in, in where it is one of the weirder situations we've ever seen is you don't even know who has the leverage right now. Right. Because part of us is like, okay, like if Jack, he's under contract longer term, if he doesn't play, he doesn't get paid. So what leverage does he have? Then you look at the team side and you're like, well, if we don't trade him and he doesn't want to be here, he's going to be toxic. Then he can call his own shots with a no trade clause and give us a list of teams. Like, I don't even know who has leverage right now or what the right move would be. So I, I don't envy Kevin Adams at all. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's like before, it's like just probably the, one of the strangest situations in the NHL just because there's just so many like sides to this thing. I mean, just so many different aspects just with uh, like the tossing the injury to like the no move clause coming up. I mean, his contract, which is $10 million. So it's not like teams could just casually like pick up that salary whenever like mid season, make that type of trade. And factor in the fact that the Sabres need to bring money back on any potential. Like we'll do, I think like $4 million or something. So, I mean, it's not going to be an easy trade to make. I mean, once again, that's kind of why I really wish it happened in the offseason because big moves like that pretty much have to happen in the offseason just due to uh, cap. I mean, team's dedication to their current lineup, just all that stuff. I mean, you get a much larger amount of teams interested. I mean, now that you're moving to the season, 
uh, I just have a hard time seeing him being moved uh, in season or in like the short couple of weeks we have before the regular season starts. So I honestly have, I wouldn't even bet on what team he gets traded to at this point. Cause I pretty much just have no idea. <laughs> That's what I, I was going to ask anybody you else. So. I don't think I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought like Minnesota, I thought them, but I mean, after that, that one made a lot of sense to me too. That one yeah. made a lot of sense to me. Spent so much money elsewhere. It's like, they're probably not interested anymore. And then like Anaheim LA seem like they're out. And then Rangers don't seem like they want to trade their prospects for some reason. And then, yeah, I mean, now we're just sitting here kind of just waiting for something to happen that we thought was going to happen like two months ago. I mean, I remember, uh, with Jared at the charging Buffalo, uh, I was going to write an article about like the Eichel trade and then we were both like, Oh no, he'll probably get traded this weekend. So maybe just don't even write it. And then <laughs> now we're sitting here. Like, I think that was back in June, <laughs> like all the way in September now. And he's still on the team. Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking to Jared a couple weeks ago on here and that was one thing Benny was bringing up was all these teams that were reported to be interested, whether it was Anaheim or the Rangers, they don't want to give up any of their prospects. And it's like, well, what do you think you're going to get Eichel for then? Like you're, you're yeah. listing half your roster is untouchable. So like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're like, I think they're like an ideal team to trade for Eichel because if you look at a lot of their roster, it's like they have a good chunk of like really good older players. I mean, Panarin, Zabinajad, Strom. I mean, those are guys that you probably want to try to win a cup with now. I mean, obviously your youth could help, but I mean, you had Eichel that group. I think you can maybe have, I mean, really just a serious contender in the playoffs. So I think just by not wanting to give up like Braden Schneider and, Offering guys like uh, like Lori Pajuniemi, it's like, what do you even get out of that? Like, just trade some guys that won't be on the team in two years. Just create a winner in New York. I mean, I don't really understand what Jury's been doing so far in his time as a Rangers GM. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with him. But I mean, the beginning signs aren't too great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Um... I'm sure there's going to be so many more conversations on this. Honestly, it's, it's like the story that always has so many new angles, but nothing new happens. Nothing new (laughs) develops. It's so weird to describe. I truly, it's really going to be a fascinating thing to look back on when there's some clarity of moves made and you know, what comes of it. But I want to leave a, you know, probably about 10 more minutes here, obviously talk about expectations for the season what we should see from some of the players we think are going to be on the roster. Some, I want to go through like some of the players with you all, obviously who are locks to make this team. Who do you think should make this team? Are there like any surprises that you think will all that sort of stuff? So let's, I don't know how you want, however you want to do it. You just want to go through like, you know, just some top players that you think will be key contributors in a, whatever word you want to use for it this season. Um, yeah. Just go from there. Yeah. I mean, I could just, I mean, like the top players, I mean, I think obviously like a guy like Jeff Skinner, he's pretty much stuck here for the rest of, I mean, his prime of his career, which is kind of sad, but he makes a lot of money. So I don't feel too bad for him. But See, I've be... heard some things <laughs> from about Skinner that he's just like, he just works though. Like he's yeah. all hockey. Like he just, he doesn't really do much. He just like does his, training goes to practice like he wants to be the guy almost and it's just like he's just gets such a tough rap and then to go from what he was when Bottrell left and then Kruger gets his meat hooks on this guy and just chucks him to the fourth line and it's just like what are we doing it's yeah I mean, I've never seen a player like so happy to be in like his type of situation because I believe he's the longest tenured player now without a uh, playoff appearance. I think it was Bogosian before, but then he won a cup with Tampa. So now Jeff Skinner, I think, is the longest uh, tenured player in the NHL without a playoff experience. I mean, playoff appearance, and it does not look like That's they'll wild. be changing anytime soon. But, Jack's I mean, trying to catch him right now. So <laughs> yeah, Jack Eichel can maybe catch him. I mean, maybe if they trade him. Oh, the minute he gets off this roster, he's going <laughs> to walk right into a playoff team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
that's that's kind of why I think he wants that no move clause to hit because I maybe they could trade him somewhere like Calgary and maybe they might have to rebuild and he'll be stuck somewhere again. But yeah, I think I think Skinner. I mean, just with that contract, he's definitely stuck here for a while. But I mean, he obviously plays his heart out uh, every time he's on the ice. I mean, we've seen it last year, even when the goals weren't going his way. I mean, just still generating. Is. Yeah, just on the back check, just creating offense. I mean, I think we'll see more of that this season. So he's definitely a key player. And then, I mean, Olafson, I think he could probably do something just because his shot's so good. Not sure how effective he will be exactly, uh, just because, I mean, obviously he doesn't have that playmaking center on his right. side. And then middle stat, just kind of by default. I mean, he's going to be getting top-line minutes. Uh, was pretty much a half-point-per-game player last year. Probably hope for something similar uh, this upcoming season. And then, I mean, finally, if we're talking about key forwards, I'm going to go with Dylan Cousins. Definitely the highest potential of any forward on the Sabres roster. I think he's going to be a great NHL player someday. Maybe he takes a big jump offensively this season, but I think at the same time that will be really challenging just because he doesn't have that quality of line mates that some other guys like Barzell or – other guys at WHL had when they made their huge jump as prospects. So, I mean, yeah, that's probably my core guys on offense. And then, I mean, defense kind of talked about some of these guys before. I mean, obviously like Darlene, I mean, Colin Miller, he's just always been a solid player. He should be pretty effective. I mean, the new additions, Butcher and Pesic, expecting a good amount from them. And I mean, really just overall, I think, I mean, kind of like the top guys on this roster, I think they rate out kind of as better than the top guys the Sabres had on their like 2013, 2014, like quote unquote tank roster. So I think, Interesting. I think like they'll still be bad, but it won't be like historically bad. It'll just be like regular last place type of bad. I, I absolutely <laughs> love that line, honestly, but I also, I also in a sneaky way think and Benny might tell me I'm an idiot when he hears this come out of my mouth. Uh, but I almost think in a sneaky way, this is going to be kind of a fun year to watch as a Sabres fan because expectations are so low, right? You just said yeah. it all. Like, I think they're going to be really bad, but maybe not historically bad, where it's like now you get to watch these young guys and just see what they've got. And maybe maybe there's bright spots there that really surprise you and get, get you excited. Like maybe Dylan Cousins pops off and scores 30 goals and is fighting some of the guys on the other team like he's done uh, early in his career to step up with some teammates. I mean, who who knows? I know it's, it's never fun to lose, but I think you'd rather have a team with all these young pieces and some high – potential players right that maybe yeah. weren't there in the past before walt answers i am fully prepared for them to be annoyingly good to yeah. where they're not <laughs> going to be in the playoffs but they're going to be like beating teams like the doing worst annoying thing. stuff and they're just going to soil their chances at chain right fully prepared <laughs> for it but anyways, yeah. walt, continue my friend yeah i think i mean i guess I mean, it definitely hurts with the new lottery rules to not be like guaranteed a top two pick now. I thought so I that like, kicked in after this that this last draft, though. I thought it starts with this 2022 one, does it not? Yeah. Well, I mean, with like being able to win the lottery, but I mean, because like before when they had the McDavid Eichel lottery, like it was pretty much like the team that finished last place, like was guaranteed one of McDavid or Eichel. Right. So I think like just not having that pressure. Yeah. Of like just having to finish in last place. I mean, obviously your odds will be better if you're in last. I think they'll make these upcoming seasons just like a little bit more relaxing. Cause like I remember the McDavid I mean, Eichel draft, like it was pretty much like your last place or second last you get Dylan Strom. So it was like you kind of had to lose. It yeah. was the most wild thing in the world to go to games that season and like the second half of that season. And the Sabers would score a goal to go up like one nothing in the first period, and the whole the whole place would boo. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, like that was that was the most wild experience ever because they were like, "No, we want McDavid or Eichel." Like, yeah, 
Yeah, I'll always remember that Coyotes game at the end of the season. Oh, my gosh. Are there people in Sabres uniforms going crazy after <laughs> – I think it was like Sam Gagne wanted an OT for the Coyotes, and then Mike Weber was so mad after the game, and it was like, these aren't real fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be, to be fair, like I think – Moving the system away from incentivizing tanking, I think, is the best for the game. But also, I mean, you see it in basketball, too. Like, if the system is set up that way, you might as well go for it, right? Like, take advantage of it if it's there. Now, once they fix it, you can't do that anymore. But, I mean, why not in that situation? You're not gaining anything by winning those games. Yeah, because, I mean, that's kind of like the weird part about it is you have, like, half the teams in the league, like, I mean, like, even, like, the NBA, too. I mean, you got, like, a good chunk of the teams in the league that are just like, all right, we're not playoff caliber. Let's just sell off our pieces and try and get a high pick. I mean, like, once again, going back to, like, the European soccer model with, like, the relegation system, I mean, obviously the NHL, I mean, I don't really think any North American league will ever instill that just because, like, <laughs> no ownership no. cost, but – like I'm, I'm a really big Brentford fan, and they just got promoted to the Premier League, and they're a team that could get demoted back down. So, like, they're not the greatest team, but just like watching their games and knowing like they have to win to stay up. I mean, like even all the bottom of the table teams, just like watching that is just so exciting, and it's so much more exciting than watching like a game in the NBA between like the Magic and like the Cavs or something who are trying to get like, the bad. Yeah, pick. right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's totally. I got news for you though, Walt. You're, you're Brentford. They're staying up. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think so. They're staying they're up. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they don't peak too early, but I think they're yeah. staying up. <laughs> so, I mean, just to kind of wind it down here, this has been awesome. I really enjoyed this conversation. Always enjoy having you on, Walt. But what do we think? What's kind of the consensus for expectations for the team as a whole? I mean, do we want to go round table? Do we want to bring Derek in here to give a guess <laughs> on the record that we can go back to? Can we can we all guess the record, all four of us, before we sign off tonight? And then at yeah. the end of the season, we'll go back and see which one of the four of us was closest. Oh yeah, we're right about at the time, so like we should do it. Like let's let's bring Derek in here. Let's let's have a couple minutes here before we sign off, and we'll we'll do it. All right, all right, all right. Um, I just wanted to add though, like as Walt was talking about. Uh, the timeline of with like <laughs> down the barrel. I was just like thinking to myself, I was like, man, we're just like stuck in this like purgatory like <laughs> era of just like sucking. And it's, <laughs> it, there's, there's no end in sight. It's just, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. I like I like to think during these conversations, Derek is like off camera in the background, muted, just like pulling his hair out and like throwing stuff across his room, <laughs> like while we're talking about the sabers. But usually, I'm intrigued by the guests, but today was just like it's just yes, pulling hair basically <laughs> because it is nothing against you, Walt. It's just literally just the topic is hair pulling basically. yeah <laughs> it's unfortunate we got to talk about it but it's like we got to talk about it <laughs> it's fun though i mean i'd like the prospect talk and everything it's that was it, interesting it's encouraging we... to have like like one thing that walt said that stood out to me in the first half of this he because like i don't remember the last time the sabers had every one of their draft picks and it was like yeah that's it's amazing what can happen when you don't trade two picks to get a move up to get a guy in the fourth round. <laughs> well, uh, one well, one thing I wanted to ask you kind of off topic before we go into this projection for the record. Um doing covering some saber stuff, writing some articles. I know you're you know, you contribute to the charging buffalo. I mean, obviously like we're we're all familiar with that uh news outlet here for the Sabres in Buffalo, but I was I was hearing a lot with like the change and like the instigators and stuff this week and then like thoughts on people saying like oh like some of these guys are too negative and then like Marty Baron comes on and they're like oh this guy's just the biggest homer so like they could be on like a five game losing streak and he's going to be like oh the boys look great out there like <laughs> you know what's what's it like being in that situation where you're looking at a team or covering a team like in that town, like how do you, how do you straddle that line between like, 
optimism and, and wanting things to go well and when things aren't going well, keeping it real and not being a pessimist. Like, is that tough? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I've definitely gotten a lot of criticism sometimes on like my tweets that like, Oh, you're always so negative and stuff. But I mean, I'm only negative if I have kind of like a reason to be negative. And I mean, so far over the past two years, I don't think I've been wrong uh, yet in terms of my negativity <laughs> level. So, I mean, I think like a good way to balance it out. I mean, it's always just like, yeah, kind of like, talk about earlier like the prospects i mean just like how encouraging that side of things is and i mean so i'm like a prospects guy i mean watch a lot of that too so i mean that's kind of the good thing with the sabers team is that whenever the team is bad at least now you have like the next two drafts and the current prospect pool to look forward to but i mean the past couple seasons i think i was probably more negative just because the sabers were a bad team and their prospect pool was pretty garbage so now i think with kind of just that encouraging uh, look at kind of the guys like in Russia, I mean, just quality prospects we have coming up the next two drafts. I think that's, that's like the one glimmer of hope that I have as a Sabres fan. And I mean, it also helps me push through writing articles about the Sabres today, even if it's about like a guy like Vinny Henestrosa or like John Hayden or something. Yeah. No, I love that question. I love that answer too. That's, I think a lot of people identify with that thought process, even just fans, not, you know, in the journalism side or analytics film study like you are, Walt. But all right, let's round table it before we head out of here. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll do it. I put some thought into it because I knew I was going to pose this question. My my guess is going to be 21 and 61 they're going to go. <laughs> You're not you're not getting overtime losses in there. Nope. No. No, because we're either gonna just annoyingly dominate a game or we're gonna get smoked. That's what I think. <laughs> and to be truthful, to be honestly truthful, not embarrassed at all about this. I didn't feel like doing that math in my head. <laughs> I to just, get up to eighty two games. I just did it in like two minutes, Benny. Well <laughs> What do you mean? What are you talking about? I just did the math of like. So you I think, just did, so I'll, I'll go next. I'll go re- next. Regardless think, of if they're going to lose in regulation or overtime, Benny has them winning only twenty-one out of eighty-two games this season. I have them at twenty-six, forty-six, and ten. You guys are brutal. What I like that. Pick. I like that pick from there. Oh, I was. Like, I'm, I'm looking a- up their past seasons and like 2019-20. They were 30, 31, and 8 for 68 points. Like, and that was 2019, 2020? Yeah, and that's, like, pretty bottom of the barrel. Like, But, like, also what Benny said, like, annoyingly good kind of thing. Like, yeah. They're not the worst, but, like, I think, that's about, I think that's about right. Damn, you guys had me rethinking my pick here. I was going to say, like, 31 wins or something You're crazy. Uh, but, no, I mean, that's maybe. Penguin fan in you. You're used to good times. Oh, dude. Yeah, but they were so bad when I was a kid. Like, they were mind literally, you, they were literally you, though, before they got Crosby and Malkin, like, they were. When you were a kid. Buddy, <laughs> they they were, were, when you were a kid, you weren't, you weren't even in kindergarten when they were stuck last. <laughs> what do you mean, dude? What was that? Oh three, oh four. It was like oh four. Oh four, oh five. Excuse me. I was me. like nine years old, sitting there watching watching these bugs. <laughs> but they were, I mean, they were literally like historically bad. Like they were like a twenty win hockey team. They were, they were horrible. But no, I mean, I think I don't know. I'm gonna go. I guess I'll go a little bit higher, but I'll keep it under thirty. What's twenty nine and fifty three? Is that twenty nine and 53 you're the accountant i don't know i don't know i'm not an accountant i don't know what year <laughs> what year did we draft eichel uh 2015 2015 2015 okay so the year before that to get him we went 21 51 and 10 so I'm 21 like, <laughs> i'm like not too far off See, so guess, and then why I went I guess so I'm, low I guess I'm too if go back and it's higher I'll be like yeah all right there's something. There's something. All right, Walt, what do you got? Yeah, then I think I mean I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with sixty-eight points this year. I think they'll be a little bit better than expected, but okay. still bad enough well they're gonna be in the running for that last place spot. 
Going with the Yogs number. I like it. Sixty-eight. They're gonna, they're gonna go. They're gonna go 0, 14 and sixty-eight. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Brutal. Oh, that's great. Well, look. Uh, well, it's such a pleasure having you on once again. Uh, gonna have some a lot of good content to go over in this one. I think people are really gonna enjoy it. I know they did for the first time around. We're gonna get a double dose of you here, so. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited for these next uh, these releases for people to hear it. And, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully talk again during the season, maybe a midway point or something, reevaluate, you know, see what if any of our predictions were on or where we were way off. But I'm sure there'll be plenty more to talk about, my friend. They're gonna, Thanks they're so much be in, for like, joining us. place at the All-Star break. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, I really appreciate it. We, we love having you on. It's, it's a ton of fun talking with you. Super insightful. Lots of good stuff as always. I appreciate it, yeah. my man. Thank you. Yeah, great. Great to uh, be back on the show. And uh, thanks for having me on as always. Yeah. Make sure you go ahead to chargingbuffalo.net, I believe. Get up on uh, yep. some of Walt's latest pieces. Follow him at Sabermetrics on Twitter. It's a great follow. A lot of good insight and lots of, in my opinion, comedic relief on some, uh, <laughs> on some, some snappy tweets that you love to say. So, <laughs> bringing some light to Sabres Twitter in many ways. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. This has been episode 31 of Just Dishing It. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.